Thank you for being a listener of the We Are LA Tech podcast. To support and collaborate with the community, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener. You'll have ad-free episodes and join us on our monthly Zoom calls with other podcast listeners and get to know the community at wearelatech.love. Linked in the show notes. As the company progresses, people stop thinking like a founder. But I think it's important to stay thinking like a founder and always having this like day one aspect in you. I'm Alex Bloomberg, host of the podcast Startup, and you're listening to We Are LA Tech. My name is Esprit Devora, born and raised LA, and I created We Are LA Tech in 2012 to unify the community. Podcast launched in 2014, continuing to help people find the best talent, to connect with each other, to form awesome relationships. So proud of the show. Enjoy. Hi, my name is Rosamina, and I have worked with Esprit on designing her space, so her office space in her home, and it's just been an amazing, amazing opportunity. More than anything, because Esprit as a human is just an inspiring human to be around, and she just makes you believe that anything that you want to have happen in your life, you can have happen, and she's an inspiring person to be around. Her energy is amazing and exciting and expressive, and she's truthful and she's honest and she's transparent. She asked me to basically create a space that reflected the vibe that she wanted to give off, which was just to be inspiring and connective, and it's just been a really, really special and really great opportunity for me for so many reasons. So thank you so much, Esprit. If you want to find me on the gram, my um, my handle is at Rosemina with three A's at the end. So that's at R-O-S-E-M-I-N-A-A-A. Thank you so much. Bye. <laughs> Join thousands of people in LA Tech on our We Are LA Tech Facebook group where you can discover events, job opportunities, and even housing. Go to wearelatech.com slash community. We'll take you straight there. That's wearelatech.com slash community. Command Line Heroes is an original, highly produced, award-winning podcast about the people who transform technology from the command line up, presented by Red Hat. And this is not a technical show. This is a show anyone can enjoy, featuring experts from across the industry. Season 4 is airing now, so subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and stick around to the end of the show to hear a sneak preview of the brand new season. So this is a little bit of a unique personal spot. It's more like... If you would like to be a spotlit on one of our upcoming episodes, please reach out to me on social at Esprit Devora. Let me know. We would love to just hear what it is that, you know, draws you into the podcast and makes you want to listen again and again and share with our community where they can find you and know more about what you're up to. So just shoot me a message on social anywhere at Esprit Devora and I'll send you the details. That would be really, really exciting to, to hear from you. All right. Enjoy the next episode. Bye.
Tech Podcast, spotlighting LA tech companies and talent. So excited for my next guest, Christelle. Hello. Hi, how are you? Thank you for having me. I'm good. I'm so, so excited to interview you because you're absolutely passionate about working in tech and being in L.A. And you've done so many cool things in your career. I like I can't wait to oh like, my share God. the story. Thank yeah. you. I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> so let's kick it off. Go ahead. Tell everybody a little bit about who you are and what you do. Yeah. So I am a marketing strategist at TikTok. Basically, that means I just come up with a strategy in how we're going to grow, how are people going to know about our brand and so on. Are you from L.A.? I am from L.A. Where um, in L.A.? I'm from Brentwood. I moved to America when I was 16 years old. From? And from the Philippines. Oh, that's good. That must have been a huge culture shock. 16 yeah. is significant. Yeah. So that's crazy. I was pretty old when yeah. I came here and I went to UCLA, started working in tech. So I, I could never leave the West Side. And did you start at UCLA at 16? I went to high school, so in Panorama High School, that's in San Fernando Valley. Yeah. And then I started at UCLA, I think I was 18. I want to dive into that just for a second. I know it has nothing to do with tech, but what was that like adjusting to not only like a new city, but a huge city like LA? I mean, WTF, yeah. like how did you adjust <laughs> at 16 years old? No, it was insane. In the Philippines, I studied at University of the Philippines, yeah. which is it's a lab school in the country where a lot of the education programs are started. Right. So I had a ton of touches in America. So like I get to watch American TV shows. Yeah. Um, my parents taught me to be like globalized, whatever yeah. that means. But when I moved to America, it was definitely a shock. I remember I didn't talk a ton in high school. Yeah. I was just like, oh, my God. And then the first day I came to America, I went to the high school Someone yeah. invited me to join a gang, which was crazy. A gang? <laughs> yeah. Stop. Yeah. Okay. So that was a huge adjustment. So you didn't join a gang is what no. you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> that would be insane. <laughs> you never know. You don't want to make assumptions, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and then you end up going to UCLA. Yeah. During that time, I already had this like small business in the Philippines where I would build websites right. for people. And I had a... A blog on yeah. Sangha and Blogger. And then yeah. I would sell like MySpace profiles. That's so cool. So, you were very entrepreneurial. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, I didn't know it was a career until one of my friends invited me to join his company because I was always broke. He's yeah. like, well, you should get a job in the company I'm working at. This is when you were still in the Philippines. No, here in the oh, this at UCLA. Here. Okay, at yeah, UCLA. So, UCLA. So I worked at this company and they told me to keep staying in tech because... I will always have a job. Um, and around this time, it was when L.A. had its first hackathon and it, it was with a group of my friends. Startup Weekend? Um, L.A. Hacks. Oh, L.A. Hacks. L.A. Okay. Hacks. And then we did Perfect Pitch. Yeah. So I worked with a ton of my tech friends and all of my friends started moving from fashion design to everyone now as a developer. And my roommate started moving into developing as well. So, yeah. I got into tech. Do you know if LA Hacks and Perfect Pitch are still a thing? Um, I think LA Hacks is Perfect Pitch. I don't think so anymore. But that was a program where we invited everyone at UCLA to provide their pitches. We will 
think we gave them five dollars per pitch and then i upload them all on vimeo and then we had a judge and the winner won thirty thousand dollars what yeah that's a lot of money for pitching yeah <laughs> especially in college and who was funding that ucla no no we found a sponsor somehow and the sponsor <laughs> was paying the 30 grand yeah that's that's really cool through your friend you discover the world of tech and then you discover LA hacks and perfect pitch and that kind of jolts you over. I feel like, okay, you have to check out Chriselle on the women in tech podcast because we're going to be interviewing her there as well. And we're going to stay really focused on LA, but it's, it's so tempting to just go down the road with you right now. So make sure to check out our other episode to hear more about her background and her journey. LA specifically, when did you parlay into what you do now? Yeah. So it's so funny. After college, I tried to still be a speech therapist. So I did that for three months and I realized I couldn't do it. I started working in this company where we would do like web dev, SEO. The owner fired me for speaking Tagalog to his employees in the Philippines. What? Like, I think one of the employees in the Philippines was like, I don't understand the instructions. So I typed it out in Tagalog. He took screenshots of our screen and then put me in a meeting. And that day he gave me three new clients. So I know he wasn't planning on it, but he fired me. And then after that, I just went straight into tech, learned how to code and then did the whole thing. Oh my gosh, it is so interesting. Do you think it's because he felt threatened that he couldn't control the communication or something? That's so weird. Yeah, I mean, I have no idea. I think it might be. He also told the like some members of the company, like he just didn't trust me because he think I will start a company with his people in the oh, Philippines, wow. which I'm like, no. Wow. <laughs> and here you are just trying to be a good teammate. That's yeah. Crazy. And I'm like way under the pole. Yeah. <laughs> OK, so you're working this job and you're like, OK, let me immerse myself deep in tech. You start learning how to code. Yeah. And then walk us. What's next? So I started going to our friends in Venice. So. They would all code there in the afternoon. Right. Um, So I learned Python. I learned Swift. I joined a company called Feet Socks where they did a ton of e-commerce. And And how did you learn how to code? I took a ton of classes on Udacity, Team Treehouse. Team Treehouse is really great. Yeah, it's so good. And I think the first class there is teaching you how to build a Netflix. What? So like, I remember I'm like, look, I have the code for Netflix now. That's so crazy. Okay, so you learn how to code and you're off with your homies in Venice. Yeah. And you're not in a gang. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And then what happens? And then I started, I joined this company called Feet Socks. Um, what do they do? So it's an e-com company. They partnered with Ali Raisman, built a ton of socks, sold but them on socks. Shopify. Yeah. Like socks you, you wear in your shoes. And yeah. Normal socks. Yeah. Okay. But I built their Shopify, built all their emails and all the marketing, put some SEO there. Everything that I've learned. Right. I basically put in that. Come January, I started a company called Jara. Jara. You, your own company. Yeah. My okay, own company. Cool. Jara is a gamified device it's kind of like a game boy yeah where you can teach children all over the world whatever education program they need to be because the first case was in nepal basically in nepal kids aren't able to learn because they had a really massive earthquake right so kids were out of school so we built this program that's crank powered solar powered they don't need any electricity 
And it's kind of like flashcard system so right. that they can learn while they're out of school. Was it self-funded or did you raise money? I raised money. I wrote so many grant letters. Grants? I sub- yeah. I submitted so many questionnaires and got money. So we won the Cisco Award for Congratulations. We won some Google Design Award where we brought their design team to Nepal to study our audience. Yeah. And how did you find all the grants? So you didn't traditionally fundraise with angels or events. You fundraised through grants. Yeah. And how did you find them? What kind of research went into that? Facebook. So on Facebook, there are a ton of fundraising groups that you can go to. So I am just a member of every community group on Facebook. I love communities. There's Global Social Entrepreneur, Global Tech Women, She Works, Design for Social Innovation, Tech Fugees. All of these groups basically will post any grant that they found and I would apply. Okay. So in this day and age, there's so much information overload. Yeah. How do you manage your time when it comes to being on social? Because all those groups you just mentioned yeah. obviously played a really important role in you fundraising. Yeah. But they also take a lot of time to like click on and sit through and look through stuff. Exactly. So how do you manage your time? I used to do this 20 minute rule when I was looking for money. Yeah. I don't multitask. So I have to focus on like whatever task it is for 20 minutes until I'm done and then move on to the other. Because I get so confused with all the things and then I don't get things done. So I just do them in 20 minute increments. Do you use like Pomodoro or something like something like that? No, I just set a timer on my phone. Just timer on your phone. 20 minutes. And then what if you don't get it done? I mean, it's flexible. I would adjust if I don't get it done. But I at least know what kind of timeline I'm in. That's so cool. And then what happened? And then I moved to the Philippines. Oh, what? You left Los Angeles and moved back to the Philippines. Yeah. What happened to your company? I was bringing it there, raising money, scaling it up. Eventually, I stopped working there and I handed it off to my co-founder. But yeah. May I ask why? Why I stopped working in the company? Yeah. Well, I was just, I had too many things going on. So like I was trying to build a school. I was in a pageant. I had this company And I was moving around countries. I was just like, I I can't manage this anymore. Okay. I mean, it's so good to stop and reflect and make new choices that are in alignment for you with where you are now. So that's so cool. And then after you went to the Philippines, so you're in the Philippines, you let go of your company. Yeah. And then what? And then I started working at Snapchat. From the Philippines. So I left the (laughs) (laughs) Philippines. It's a journey. You just couldn't get enough of LA Tech. (laughs) Yeah. So eventually after the pageant, I moved back to the States. At that point, I was toying between moving back to tech or starting a TV show in the Philippines, a travel TV show. Because, you know, I have been in the Philippines for a while. I needed to be in the U.S. again. Right. To maintain my residency in California. So I was just going to be here for like a week or two weeks. But I got a job at Snapchat. You got a job at Snapchat in those two weeks that you were just trying to maintain residency? Yeah. Your life is insane. Okay. And (laughs) And what was the job? The same thing. Marketing strategy at Snapchat. So, And how early on was Snapchat at this point? This was... I'm really bad with years, but it was... No, but I mean in the stage of the of the company. Oh, like, it was right after they IPO'd and okay. um, the launch of the second Spectacles. So it was like already, woo, like yeah. everywhere. Okay, Yeah, cool. it was everywhere. Yeah. How long were you there for? About a year. So it's 
11, 10 months. And then while I was at Snapchat, I was looking for like, what is the best like direct buy I can buy? And Musical.ly came up because I remember when I was babysitting, all these kids were all about Musical.ly. And I'm like, maybe it's a similar audience. Yeah. So I reached out to them and then that's how I got introduced to TikTok. And then they got really lucky and (laughs) said a few magical lines and were able to convince you to come over. Yeah. And how long have you been with TikTok now? I've been with TikTok for a year in November. So that would be, what is it now? Almost March. (laughs) And then for January, February, three months. And everybody listening right now, we're all grownups. So we're thinking, yeah, TikTok, I think I've heard of it. And the people that have heard of it say, yeah, it's that kid's site. What do you have to say about that? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think TikTok is just a short form video platform that could be for anyone and everyone. If you consume a ton of TikTok content, you'll see how funny it is. And actually, I always find my boyfriend knowing the songs and knowing the jokes that are on there. And he's 37 this year. So, yeah. Do you think us as business professionals should be on TikTok or at least exploring it? Yeah, everyone should be on TikTok, I think. Even Um, though I can't dance? No, you don't have to dance. Every, you could just show who you are and your true self. Show, I'm sure there's, you know, there's value in every content that you produce. So I think people are yearning for those. And yeah. um, that's just another platform you can touch. It's interesting. So TikTok, we saw each other there, just had an event called TikTok Canvas LA, which is learning how to use TikTok. And I met this business owner there. Um, I'm spacing on her name. I think it's, mkw creative really cool check her out mkwcreative.co and she uses tiktok for marketing her design business she creates this thing called 15 second freelance and then 60 second something like tips or tutorials or something and it's all about how she's created these logos and these brand designs and then she showcases her work in these really creative ways And man, am I enjoying following her on TikTok and on Instagram, like because on Instagram. So essentially what she does. Yeah. She uses Instagram to communicate like in an educational way how she uses TikTok, which is where she does these cool, really useful design videos. It's it's really great. So, yeah. That's TikTok, so fun. Like TikTok's relevant. Yeah. <laughs> to us, to, not just to the 14-year-old, seven-year-old, 14-year-old, whatever. It's relevant. Yeah. And you're loving being there? Yeah, I'm loving being there. Actually, to that point, I just follow this graphic designer on TikTok where he shows how he builds things. Oh, wait. Say, okay. I actually can't remember his username, but he talks about how he gets clients. I Um, think he definitely, I think both of us should grab our phones and like look up because it's just not fair. Okay. Oh, here it is. It's mkwcreative.co. I think she's so worth following. All right. So his name is E-F-D-O-T-F dot. And he is a mural artist in Brooklyn, and he shares advice for artists on TikTok. His IG is EFDOT as well. And yeah, it's just I think it's really great to start paying attention to how businesses are utilizing TikTok. And um, what's a, a day in your life look like? In the world of modern technology, we open our laptops, scroll endlessly on our smartphones, send tons of data to the cloud, and we don't think twice about it. But have you ever wondered how we got to now with our personal devices? What it took were teams of engineers and programmers who had the vision and audacity to build new machines. 
I'm Saranya Barak. Join me for an incredible new season of the podcast and keep on coding. Season four is airing now. Subscribe to Command Line Heroes today, wherever you get your podcasts. What's a, a day in your life look like? Um, like, what time do you wake up? So I wake up really early. I me too. It's uh, it's the, the most LA club like me. Yeah, <gasps> I love it. So I wake up at five thirty, and I love it because it's the silence. Yes, I always have a Celsius next to my bed. A so, Celsius, like yeah. a like a Lacroix. It's like the energy drink that's really trendy right now. You're about to hear the oh, most so LA cool. girl. Ever. <laughs> okay, so, what is Celsius? Yeah, so Celsius. I actually got a bunch of our team members to start drinking Stop. Celsius. But it's so LaCroix is old news. I need to get turned on to Celsius now. Yeah, but it's an energy drink. So it's kind of like a really healthy Red Bull. Right. Or as healthy as you could go. Right, right. Okay, it's so you amazing. have that. I love the the pear flavor and the green tea. Yeah, I'm going to have to taste it yeah, for sure. It's amazing. So I have that. And then I go to Box Union, which is a boxing studio in Santa Monica. I haven't been yet. It's so it's good. It's worth it? Yeah. Okay. Down I love have to it. try that. Yeah. Kyle is amazing. So I do like his 7 a.m. class. Sometimes I would do 6 to 7 and then 7 to 8. Yeah. And do double classes. Cool. And then I feel like I'm better than everyone. I'm like, yeah, look what I did. Two hours of boxing. <laughs> but really, everyone was there. So I'm not special at all. You are special. <laughs> By the way, dude, to have so much accomplished that early in the morning. And it's no joke yeah. doing a boxing. I don't do boxing classes. That's crazy. Well, sometimes I'm delirious when I'm doing it. <laughs> and it wakes you up. I'm just like one, two, one, two or whatever yeah. motion Kyle tells me to do. I'm curious what made you choose Box Union. The reason why I asked that is because so many people moving to LA, yeah. they think, okay, there's so many regions to LA. Where do I live? What co-working space should I work at? Like, yeah. what gym should I join? So what was it about Box Union? I'm just curious that attracted you to choose that one when we have so many options here. Yeah. So I think in the middle of all those jobs that I talked about, there was a time where I was just like, I need to try new things and meet new people. Right. Um, so I joined ClassPass. Yeah, I have class pass. So on yeah. class pass, I took classes all oh, over the city. What a good idea yeah. to test them out. Yeah. And I remember like every class, my goal was to make two friends. What a cool goal. Yeah. So I would like talk to them. Sometimes I would walk home with these yeah. people. I took every class that yeah. used to intimidate me. So yeah. I remember like trying Pilates and I'm not coordinated at yeah. all. Me neither. It was so hard, but yeah. it was so good for me because after I'm like, huh, I did it. <laughs> <laughs> and then I remember I was so stressed and I started yeah. taking boxing and it was so good to feel like if someone's robbing me or something happens to me, something. I can punch. Yeah. that's it. And how long have you been doing it now? About a year and a half. Wait, that's a really long time. Yeah. That's awesome. It was, it's so empowering. That's so cool. Yeah. And then once you work out, how else do you carry out your day? Like, where do you yeah. go to work next? No. So what I would do, I make bulletproof coffee. Have nice with bullet the butter. Yeah. Okay. So um, I buy a butter, raw butter from the co-op. Yeah. Um, and I put raw butter, collagen, the collagen oh, yeah. peptides, yeah. Um, MCT oil, and then uh, mix them all together right. with raw cream. Yeah. And then I drink bulletproof coffee. And then I just like 
They can watch YouTube videos, watch TV, and then go to work after. Oh, you legit relax to get grounded before you start your day. Yeah. Well, I used to think, you know, the first few hours of the day should be for myself. Yeah. It helps me set the standard for the rest of the day that I'm doing this, not just for like some small thing, but it's, you know, there's a story to this and there's there's a purpose why I'm doing what I do. So I just started grounding. I just started doing that in the past few weeks. Yeah. Waking up at 530, weight training by six, like a hit yeah. hit slash weight training. Oh, my God. And then at 730, I go to core power yoga. Wow. And then after that, I go to the beach. I walk on the beach and I write in my gratitude journal and yeah. I read a chapter of my book yeah. at the beach and maybe I meditate and then I'll start my day after that. It's so nice. So grounding. Right. It just makes you so much nicer of a person. Than yeah, you're a nicer person. Yeah. And you're much more awake at work. You're not cranky. Completely. Yeah. And then once you get to work, what does your workday look like? Yeah. So, I mean, I check my emails and then I am obsessed with Julian Cole. Who's Julian Cole? So Julian Cole? Cole is this strategy guy. Yeah. He comes up with a ton of strategy and he like has powerpoints it's basically Where does he like work? is he an author or a speaker or? he is a freelance strategist okay um and a consultant okay. so i feel like because i didn't study marketing or yeah. tech it feels like an mba in tech and marketing well and totally inc- julian cole well included in the show notes yeah. is it c-o-l-e the last yeah, name yeah julian okay. cole i like mark pollard who pollard um, P-O-L-L-A-R-D. Pollard. Okay. Yeah. He manages Sweatheads, which is a Facebook group. And I learn a ton of stuff there. Um, I watch. About marketing. Yeah. Sweatheads. Like strategy. Yeah, I love it. The, to give them all to yeah. me. I'm going to join these things. And then I've been obsessed with learning how Disney employees do storytelling. Oh, and how do you learn that? So there's a ton of videos online. I basically just rummage through YouTube and figure out how they do storytelling. And it's so useful, even if you're just like presenting your ideas to your friends, to your coworkers, to executives. So you spend the beginning part of your day doing research at your workday doing research after, of course, grounding. Yeah. And then what's the rest of your day look like? Is it meetings or like meetings? Are they is it different every day? Is it the same? It's different every day. I mean, I try to do so I think my brain is the most active between like, I mean, in the morning and like 10 yeah. to like one. So I utilize that with stuff where I can like, how can I capture the most information in a short amount of time? Yeah. So I do all of that. And when like my brain is starting to be tired, that's when I hold all my meetings. What do you think makes an excellent marketing strategist? Someone who stays relevant and it's someone who's really innovative. I like someone who has a background on anything. Yeah. So someone who is not just like a CPG background, but someone What's who... What's CPG? Um, consumer product goods. So okay. someone who worked at Coca-Cola yeah. or like all of the big brands. Right. But someone who also have been from the ground up. So yeah. like someone who dabbled in startups and did performance marketing. So they know the whole gamut and then is willing to keep learning. And what do you think makes you an absolute excellent marketing strategist? I would say it's so cheesy, but I think it's because I have a cool story. It's rem- not cheesy. <laughs> I remember when I was at Snapchat, I would always bring up in the strategy the part where I came from the Philippines. Yeah. Which, you know, so that the stories don't just stay in America and it's not just an American story. Right. But 
it's a story that the whole world can relate to. What I really love is even talking about how you research how um, people Disney tell stories. I, yeah. I, I mean, I talk to a lot of marketing professionals. Maybe I'm not talking to the right ones, but I've never heard that before. Like that kind of approach. Like, let me look to see how other people. I mean, I've heard people, of course, research how to tell a story. Yeah. But that you literally start your day with like, let me let me dive deep into this particular category of people and how they specifically tell a story. And I'm sure after you're done with that, you'll find a new sector. Yeah. You'll be like, and now let me see how they do it. And now let me see how. So it's not just you don't look at storytelling as like one big arching yeah, thing. No. You look at it as like, let me find out how all these different kinds of categories tell stories. Exactly. Um, I mean, I take notes on all of them. I always think because I didn't study marketing, I didn't yeah. study, study tech, I wasn't in design. The catch up I had to do was to become obsessive with how these other brands and these giants created the stories that they have now. Right. How they thought, what was the process there? Like, for example, for Apple, they don't ask people for feedback. They yeah. don't ask their audience for feedback. Steve Jobs have always thought that the people don't know what they want until he shows them. Right. So I think that's a really interesting approach. Um, I'm not sure if I agree with it, but yeah. it's interesting nonetheless. And one thing I really appreciated bouncing for a second, when I went to the TikTok Canvas event, I got to meet a lot of the TikTok employees and your culture seems rad. Yeah. Is that important to you and the companies you work for having an amazing culture? Yeah, of course. I love being around people that I can learn from. People bounce around tech companies to yeah. tech companies, but I like people who are coming from different backgrounds, yeah. not just in tech. I think that's very valuable. It seemed like the girl crew was strong. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I was only there for a day, you know, yeah. but I was like, they seem like they really have one another's back. And I was like, that's dope. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. true. I have a ton of friends there. I feel like a lot of my coworkers are my best friends. That's so yeah. cool. It's something that Tony Shea talks a lot about at Zappos, promoting that culture of like connectivity and union amongst the whole team. Yeah, yeah. it's true. And like when we go to events, I always tell like my best friends in the company, are we going to match? Are we going to coordinate? Mm, like where should that. we go shopping? I love that. Yeah. How do you compare LA Tech? Like why LA Tech versus another tech city in the world? Why is it cool to build a tech company in LA? LA has a lot of dreamers. Where it's really cool that in L.A., a lot of people are still excited to innovate. I think there's a lot more entrepreneurs in L.A., which excites me. There's a lot more innovation. And it's not usually the big companies. And the big companies that are here started in L.A. And you still feel like you're in a startup and it's still so always day one. So true. I've heard that the reason to pick L.A. versus like San Francisco or New York is I hear that our culture here. I mean, I'm a part of it, too, but like, you know, I only have my own experience. So I hear from others yeah. that the culture here is really collaborative. Yeah. And in other cities, it's more competitive. Exactly. In the same like talking about network, I feel like everyone's reachable. I can talk to anyone and they will connect me to people that I want to get connected to where I don't feel the same vibe in New York or San Francisco. Yeah, it's interesting. It's definitely yeah. interesting. So what are some of the, we talked about LA hacks and we talked about um, perfect pitch. Um, what are some of the other resources you found that help accelerate you or even your peers around you forward in LA tech? Yeah, I love communities in LA. So I'm in Mountain Gate. 
Mountain Gate. Oh, Mountain Gate's awesome. Yeah, I love the dinners and I've met so many amazing people there. Yeah, tell us a little bit about it for everybody who doesn't know. Yeah, so Mountain Gate is basically a Facebook group that has dinners once a month and they talk about topics um, and invite a ton of intellectual people, people who know more about their craft on whatever topic that's relevant to the community And then it's not even about networking or finding a job there, but it's just building a community in a place like L.A. where there's so many people and it's hard to connect. And you can't even get into the Facebook group unless you've been to a dinner and you can't go to a dinner unless you've had a phone call with Sophia who created it, which is so cool. Exactly. It's so cool. And so, you know, when you're in this face, obviously I'm in Mountain Gate, too. When you're in this Facebook group, you know, it's a curated set of people who are very seasoned professionals. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I love groups like that. I am in also in Summit, which Sophia also introduced me there. Interesting. Is that Summit at Sea? Is that what you mean? That's a part of that. But okay. it's basically a giant community of leaders all over the world. They do Summit at Sea and they have a summit in L.A. Um, where they t- take over downtown, have a ton of panels which I don't go to as much. I only go to the community networking events where I get to meet people. And um, where are those? Like, how do those happen? It happens all over the world. They have monthly dinners. Oh, really? Yeah. In L.A.? In L.A., in New York, San Francisco. Wait, there's a monthly dinner every month in Los Angeles? Yeah, depending on, you know... You get set into different groups, so it makes it a little bit smaller and there's dinners everywhere. That's so cool. Can you tell it like walk us through what a dinner? How often do you go? I haven't been since Summit because I've been so busy. No way. They sound awesome. Yeah, I've met so many people there. One of the people I met, his name's Tony Lamb. He owned the second wing stop of all time. Um, And he just connects me to a ton of people. He's such a great mentor and friend. So, yeah. And what are the dinners like? How many people is it usually? And like, what's the environment of the dinners? Like 10 to 15. It's just people talking to each other. We don't usually talk about our job. We just talk about what we like. Life. Yeah, Yeah. just life. It seems like you really like, and I agree, um, like Mountain Gate is a dinner series. Summit is a dinner series. So you really like building that authentic connection with people that, isn't necessarily talking about what you do for a living, but exactly getting to know one another. Yeah. And I also think it's how I help my community. Yeah. Like I have been so lucky to be given a chance to be a member of Mountain Gate and Summit and all yeah. the stuff that I'm a member of. And, you know, some people in my community, especially, you know, the people I grew up in never had the chance to do that. So if I can be the bridge in between the two where I can That's be so cool. like, The person going out and connecting to these leaders and then connecting them to the community that I grew up in. Yeah. I feel fulfilled. And what would you say is one of the best pieces of advice that you've gotten? I think it's to actually learn this from Justin, who's one of my friends. And it's your network is your net worth. You know, never be greedy with a network that you have, which also ties with a community. Always be generous and always be willing to connect people to people that you know. I feel like that helps you service the community that and, you grew up in or whatever. <laughs> and, and tell us about, I mean, Justin is a community, an LA Tech community champion. Yeah. yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about Justin and all the thing, all the things that he's done? So many things. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. So Justin is one of my Justin best Bre- friends. How do you say his Justin name? Brezhnev. Brezhnev. I can Justin never pronounce Brezhnev it. Justin <laughs> Brezhnev built LA Hacks. He built Control Collective. 
perfect pitch. We went to college together. He built Hacker Fund, which I'm a volunteer of. Hacker Fund creates hackathons all over the country, provide mentors to children who might not have mentors in the tech community so that, you know, people in underprivileged communities can feel and find people in the Facebooks and the Instagrams of the world that they can connect to. And all these jobs won't be so far-fetched, but so real with the people that they get to connect to. And we'll include it in the show notes, too. Definitely connect with Justin. He's been legit prolific in L.A. tech community building forever. He's OG. You've been an entrepreneur before, and you've also been like a teammate and employee. Yeah. What's the difference? Like, you know how, I mean, obviously, that's a tricky question. So many people say the employee is like the bad guy. And like, yeah. you know, I don't agree with that. What's the pro and con or I, of the two worlds? Yeah. How can you love both? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think at the core, I will always build and do things that I'm passionate about. So I would say like at Snapchat, at TikTok or any of the big companies that I've been in, I still have the causes that I championed when I was an entrepreneur. So I still love education. I still work in charities. At TikTok, I started Create for a Cause, um, which is, you know, the um, the TikTok for good aspect of TikTok. We're helping communities. It's interesting because when I give speeches, I always say you have opportunities to be an entrepreneur within an organization. Yeah. I think sometimes people don't see entrepreneurship as happening inside of an organization. I think that's really, really true. And I think I was listening to this podcast recently that you should never, you know, as the company progresses, people stop thinking like a founder. But I think it's important to stay thinking like a founder and always having this like day one aspect in you where you will always rally for the company, whether it's like using your personal network, the things that you know, and thriving to make sure that you retain the knowledge that you would have been looking for if you are by yourself and rallying for yourself in your own company. Definitely. And you've now worked at two of the largest and most important tech companies in the world. What would you recommend in getting hired? What is something that people could do who also want to work at LA tech companies? How can they position themselves, market themselves? What kind of resume do they need to have? Do they <laughs> do, do they need to create a video now too? Like a video resume? Like how can, you know, yeah. someone listening right now that's like, I really want to live in Los Angeles and work for a tech company. What should they do? Well, you should know what you want and what kind of job you want. So I would say, like, if you want to be an SEO specialist at Facebook, just stalk the job, know the team that you're working in, and then know every single job description that they have and see if you're a perfect match and make sure that you are the perfect match and they can't say no to you. Um, And then research and reach out to the people who are members of the team and see what it's like. Don't ask them for a job, but ask them for how they feel about the job and what kind of things they do. What's their day to day like? And then aligning yourself with their values, learn about the company and what kind of projects they do. Excite yourself and then submit your resume, I guess. Perfect. Um, How are you finding the Culver City tech culture? Is there a startup community in Culver City? Yeah, I mean... Everything is in Culver City now. I think it's really interesting because they went from being this big entertainment hub where Sony's there, MGM's there, to now it's the new tech hub. If you go to 
what is that deli that's in, I think it's like Franklin's Deli, whatever. But if you go to a bunch of the small businesses there, they're all tech guys. So it's like walking into a San Francisco coffee shop and you hear about fundraising and pitching and that's how it is at the at the delis in Culver City. <laughs> exactly. It used to be like if you talk about your company, you'll be fine. No one's going to understand it. Right. But now you should always be careful. Oh. Someone from another company might be there or the press might be there. That's so true, too, because I remember I'm born and raised L.A. And I remember in the beginning, it was all like screenplays and scripts and casting. Yeah. And now, yeah, the conversation is all about startup and tech. And I, it's funny. I don't really think about that. Literally, a journalist can just be like squatting in a coffee shop, just hoping they could pick up a company secret. Oh, I bet. <laughs> That's insane. That's a very paranoid lifetime. <laughs> and how can people connect with you online? LinkedIn, Instagram. I'm all over the internet. Can you spell your name for everybody on LinkedIn? It's K-R-Y-S-T-L-E. My last name's Ong Hanko, O-N-G-J-A-N-C-O. And we'll include it in the show notes as well. Thank you so much for hanging out with the We Are LA Tech podcast. Yeah. You've been awesome. If you want to connect and collaborate with more incredible people in LA Tech, remember, go to the We Are LA Tech Facebook group at wearelatech.com slash community. That's wearelatech.com slash community. And say hello on social at We Are LA Tech on Facebook, on Instagram, and on Twitter. And I will see you guys in the next episode. Bye. Thank you. Hi, my name is Chriselle Onghanko. I am a marketing strategist at TikTok, and TikTok is a short-form video app. And I am based in Brentwood, and you are listening to We Are LA Tech. I'd like to tell you about an all-new season of Command Line Heroes, a podcast presented by Red Hat. No one ever said hardware was easy. In Season 4, Command Line Heroes is telling seven special stories about people and teams who dared to change the rules of hardware and, in the process, changed how we all interact with technology. In the world of modern technology, we open our laptops, scroll endlessly on our smartphones, send tons of data to the cloud, and we don't think twice about it. But have you ever wondered how we got to now with our personal devices and what it took to get here? There was this blue box on a table, and he said, well, here it is. I said, well, what is it? He said, it's a microcomputer. What it took were teams of engineers and programmers who had the vision and audacity to build new machines. These machines, they revolutionized our lives and blew the doors open to what was possible. How many people here had a computer versus how many people intended to get one? Only one or two people actually had them, and they would bring them to the club meeting. What are you going to do with it? And nobody had an answer. The key thing about time sharing was that the computer needed some way of being able to sort of stop its own clock. The uh, creators of the floppy drives are not household names by any means. If it wasn't for that, PCs would have been adopted much more slowly. This January 28th, we launched season four of Command Line Heroes, an original podcast from Red Hat. And this season, it's all about the hardware. We'll hear the stories behind some iconic machines and the people who dared to create them. I was the kid that always took things apart, took my older sister's toys apart. This is just another bag on the side of the eclipse, a skin job. Nope, this is a whole new machine. 
the process of passing the tapes around and encouraging and building upon each other's results is really what made the personal computer industry. We're exploring mini computers, mainframes, the first personal computers, floppies, early smartphones, and game consoles. And we're also going to hear how the community ethos that drove those early hardware heroes to build those machines still exists today in the open source hardware movement. The values of sharing are still there. I mean, it's in the entire open source community. The machine, in a way, was kind of a bit character. It was the people who were the real guts of what it was about. I'm Saranya Barak. Join me for an incredible new season of the podcast and keep on coding. So thank you and uh, eat your sandwiches. Season four is airing now. Subscribe to Command Line Heroes today, wherever you get your podcasts. The We Are LA Tech podcast is hosted and produced by me, Esprit Devora, With help from Janice Geronimo. Edited by Adam Carroll. Music from Jay Huffman Live and Epidemic Sound. The We Are LA Tech podcast is a wearetech.fm production. Thank you for being a listener of the We Are LA Tech podcast. To support and collaborate with the community, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener at wearelatech.love. Linked in the show notes.